We start with questions, Prime Minister. Justin Mathers. Yeah. Yeah. Question number one, please, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, may I wish everyone, but in particular my honourable friend from Montgomeryshire, a very happy St David's Day. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in this House. I shall have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister understands the importance of NHS staff because he was out there every Thursday night clapping for them during the pandemic. He must therefore also surely know that he hasn't got a hope of dealing with the NHS crisis if he doesn't invest in its workforce. We have a plan to double medical school places and end the scandal scandal of straight A students being denied the chance to become a doctor. Patients support our plan. The NHS supports our plan. Even his Chancellor supports our plan. Why doesn't he? Mr Speaker, the Honourable Gentleman needs to keep up. We are doing a workforce plan for the NHS. Uh, uh, There are tens of thousands more doctors, more nurses in the NHS, record number of GPs, record investment in the NHS. That's what you get with a Conservative government delivering. Mr Speaker, will the Prime Minister join me in congratulating the staff of Nottingham University Hospitals Trust who faced with a challenging winter with 300 Covid and flu patients, as well as thousands of appointments affected by industrial action who have succeeded in reducing the backlog of those awaiting more than 18 months for surgery by a quarter in just a month? And will he further reaffirm the Government's commitment to the redevelopment of the Queen's Medical Centre and City Hospitals, uh, the second biggest hospital investment programme in the country? Well, I join my honourable friend in thanking everyone at Nottingham University Hospitals Trust for their fantastic work, and I can confirm that we are committed to a new hospital scheme at Queen's Medical Centre and City Hospital as part of our new hospital programme. I know that progress is being made, and I look forward to seeing the project come to completion. We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and can I join the Prime Minister in wishing everybody a happy St David's Day. Mr Speaker, after 13 years of Tory failure, the average family in Britain will be poorer than the average family in Poland by 2030. That's a shocking state of affairs. If the Tories limp on in government, we're going to see a generation of young people learning to say Auf Wiedersehen Pet in Polish, aren't we? Mr Speaker, it's clear to everyone that the biggest impact on households' living standards is the energy prices that we're suffering at the moment as a result of an illegal war in Ukraine. And I just remind the Honourable Gentleman what we are doing to ease people through that. Because of our energy price guarantee, right now the government is paying over half of a typical household energy bill, saving households right now £1,000. It is one of the most generous support schemes globally. Now, he knows, he knows future decisions to support cost of living are for the budget, but if he's concerned about the cost of living, what he should do is stop making inflationary, unfunded spending commitments and back our plan to halve inflation. The dictionary, the dictionary definition for unfunded commitments is last year's kamikaze budget. Mr Speaker, the only country in the G7 still poorer than it was before the pandemic, and he stands there pretending it's all fine. Total denial 
about the damage and decline that he is presiding over. Delivering growth and tackling the cost of living crisis will mean standing up to vested interests. Energy bills bills are going to go up by £900 in April. He knows he's going to have to act, but who's going to pay? Hard-working families through higher taxes and more borrowing, or the oil and gas giants celebrating record profits? Well, Mr Speaker, I know, I know the Honourable Gentleman. He made a rare trip out of North London to visit Davos. To visit Davos recently. Perhaps, 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 he mi- perhaps while he was there, perhaps he missed the survey of 4,000 global CEOs from 100 different countries that ranked the United Kingdom as their number one European investment destination. Now, if he's serious, if he's serious about getting the economy growing, then he should stand up to the vested interests in the unions and back our minimum service levels. Here's the thing. All, all the CEOs of business are saying there's only one party with a plan for growth, and it's this party here. And there's only, there's only one party that broke the economy, and they're sitting there. Now, on energy bills, it's not as complicated as he pretends. Oil and gas companies are making vast, unexpected profits, whilst working people face misery of higher bills. He can boast all he likes, but companies like Shell didn't pay a penny in windfall tax last year, and they're still not paying their fair share now. Why doesn't he admit his mistake, get rid of the loopholes in his botched windfall tax, and finally choose family finances over oil profits? Mr Speaker, there's a theme here. He seems to forget, as Chancellor, I introduced a new tax on energy companies. Energy companies... And energy companies will pay a 75% tax rate on extraordinary profits, comparable, indeed higher, than other naughty nations. Now, that's what his shadow levelling up secretary called for recently. But I've got good news for them. We did it a year ago. They've got to keep up. Now, I know, I know Mr Speaker, they, cl- they claim to support levelling up, but they really do need to keep up. He introduced a tax on Shell and they haven't paid a penny. Fantastic work. If he was serious about investing in the future of the country, he'd start with housing. A few months ago, his backbenchers forced him to scrap house-building targets. At the time, he stood there and said it would mean they would build more homes. Well, uh, would you believe it? A few months later, the Home Builders Federation say house-building is going to fall to its lowest level in 75 years. Now, he can change course on this. He can bring back targets and planning reforms, or he can duck that fight and let a generation down. Which is it? Actually, Mr Speaker, we've had recordly high numbers of house building and, and indeed, the highest number of first-time buyers in around 20 years under this government. But he talks about investing for the long term of our country, and that's important when it comes to energy security, Mr Speaker. But Labour's policy, Labour's policy is to oppose any new oil and gas licences in the North Sea. It is an absurd policy that would see us paying billions to countries abroad for our energy while shipping it here with twice the carbon emissions. It's typical political posturing. It's bad for the economy. It's bad for our security, just like the Labour Party. Because of the noise, I don't think the Prime Minister is hearing the questions, because I do think it was on house building. Keir Starmer. 
one house building, Mr Speaker. That's the lowest level for 75 years. A whole generation of people desperate to get on the housing ladder. 13 years in power. And all he's got to say to them is, it's somebody else's fault, let me deflect. No wonder they're furious with his government. And it's not just bills or housing. Families are paying over £1,000 a month just to send their child to nursery. If he scrapped his non-dom status, he could start to fund better childcare, put money back in people's pockets and get parents back to work. Seems a pretty simple choice to me. So what's he going to choose? Wealthy tax avoiders or hard-working parents? Mr Speaker, if we want to see what happens with house building under a Labour government, just look what's going on in London, Mr Speaker. And when it comes to tax, the facts don't suit his argument. Let's just go over them. The wealthiest pay more tax, the poorest pay less tax than under any year of the last Labour government, Mr Speaker. Now, about his plans, he's already spent spent the money he claims he'd raised from that policy on five different things, Mr Speaker. It's the same old Labour Party always running out of other people's money. Mr Speaker, he's never happier than he's pretending everything's fine or blaming someone else. And, and didn't we just see it there? He is choosing tax avoiders over hard-working parents. Mr Speaker, I don't want to finish this session without asking about the Covid disclosures in today's Daily Telegraph. Now, we don't know the truth of what happened yet. There are too many messages and too many unknowns. Oh, but families across the country, families across the country will look at this and the sight of politicians writing books, portraying themselves as heroes or selectively leaking messages will be insulting and ghoulish spectacle for them. At the heart of this is every family who made enormous sacrifices for the good of the country or who tragically lost loved ones. The country deserves better. The COVID inquiry has already cost the taxpayer £85 million and hasn't heard from a single government minister yet. So can the Prime Minister assure the House no more delays that the inquiry will have whatever support it needs to report by the end of this year? Mr Speaker, the last couple of years were an incredibly difficult time for everyone involved in the health service, and I pay tribute to all their hard work, and I know the House will join me in that regard. And now, uh, rather than comment on piecemeal bits of information, I'm sure the Honourable Gentleman will agree with me the right way for these things to be looked at is the COVID inquiry. That's why we've established the COVID inquiry. And he will know, he will know, as I have... He has mentioned it one or two times before that he was a lawyer in a previous life, that there is a proper process to these things. It is an independent inquiry. It has the resources it needs. It has the powers it needs. And what we should all do in this House is let them get on and do their job. I warmly welcome the Prime Minister's work to resolve the Rubik's Cube of the Northern Ireland Protocol. This opens the prospect for resuming more positive relations with our nearest neighbours. Last week, Imperial College generously hosted an event to celebrate 25 years of the Environmental Audit Committee's scrutiny work. Academics from Imperial and the other world-class universities that support our work have been clamouring to re-engage with their research partners through Horizon and other programmes. Can my right honourable friend assure the House that he is 
has commenced negotiations to resume an association for the UK with Horizon Europe. Prime Minister. Well, I thank uh, my uh, right honourable friend for his support for the Windsor framework. Uh, He's right about the benefits that it can bring. Uh, And I also join him in paying tribute to our incredible research uh, community who do a fantastic job. Um, I can assure my right honourable friend that we will continue to work with the EU in a range of areas, not just research collaboration, but also strengthening our sanctions against Russia, energy security, and crucially, illegal migration. I look forward to those discussions and hope we can conclude them productively on a range of different areas. We now come to SNP leader Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, yesterday yesterday the Prime Minister said that EU single market access was special, exciting and attractive. If that's the case, why is he denying it to the rest of us? Well, Mr. Speaker, it's, Mr. Speaker, it's disappointing that the honourable it's disappointing the honourable gentleman is seeking to play politics with the situation in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland, as he well knows, has a unique place in the United Kingdom, and what we are trying to do is restore the balance inherent in the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, and he would do well to acknowledge that. Mr Speaker, let's be clear. What the Prime Minister said yesterday was that EU single market access will be a good thing for business. Now, of course, that's in contrast to the leader of the Labour Party, who said in December the EU single market access would not boost economic growth. Does it hurt the Prime Minister to know that the Labour Party believe in Brexit more than he does? Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, With regard to Northern Ireland, the important thing to note is to avoid a land border on the island of Ireland between North and South. That is what is crucial to achieve in getting the right framework for the arrangements in Northern Ireland and the businesses there that trade across that border on a daily basis with complex supply chains need and value that access. That is something that the Windsor framework has sought to achieve and I believe delivers it. It is not about the macro issue of membership of the European Union. It is about getting the right mechanisms in place to support businesses and communities in Northern Ireland. And I would say to the honourable gentleman, he knows better than that. He knows that this is about Northern Ireland, and I hope that he can support what we've agreed. Virginia Crosby. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the Prime Minister, like me, was excited to see the first new nuclear reactor for a UK power station in more than three decades arrive at Hinkley Sea this week. Will the Prime Minister make it his personal mission to deliver vital new nuclear power at Wilver in my constituency of Honest Morn, one of the best nuclear sites in the UK? When it comes to our energy policy, the important thing is to focus on our long-term energy security. That means more renewables, more offshore wind, hydrogen, CCS and, indeed, more nuclear. Wilfer remains one of the best nuclear sites in the UK, and the strong support from the local community and, indeed, my honourable friend, makes an attractive site for the UK's nuclear revival. And I know great nuclear, British nuclear, when that body is up and running, will be taking a very close look at it. Well, I have to say, Mr Speaker, it's great to hear the conversion that the Prime Minister has had on the benefits of the single market. Um, Given Northern Ireland's uh, access to the dual market, both markets, and the benefits that that brings, uh, will his government commit to investing in infrastructure and higher education provision to maximise that benefit? Prime Minister. 
Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I thank my uh, honourable friend for his engagement and support in developing the Windsor framework. Uh, I think it delivers on what he wanted, which is to ensure that we do protect Northern Ireland's businesses and the supply chains that they have. And I can give him that commitment. He and I both want to see more investment in Northern Ireland, not just from the government, but also from the private sector. This agreement will unlock that investment. Critically, a step on that journey is to have a reformed executive, something that I know everyone in this House would like to see. Sir Oliver Hill. Does my right honourable friend agree that in these difficult times the free world must stand together? And with that in, in mind, would he also agree that strengthening our friendships and support with other countries in Europe is important? Will he welcome the delegation here today uh, from Lithuania? Uh, and does he agree with me that the decision to hold the head of states of NATO meeting uh, in, in Lithuania in Vilnius in July? shows what a strong ally they are and also how important we think it is to strengthen the eastern flank. Prime Minister. No, I, I agree with my right honourable friend. I'm delighted that Lithuania and the city of Vilnius will host the NATO Leaders Summit in July and the UK does have a strong and growing relationship with Lithuania. It was just yesterday that their Defence Minister was here supporting our efforts together with them to train Ukrainian soldiers. And at the summit, we will work together to ensure we can deter and defend against Russian aggression by making sure that we implement the next phase of the most radical military transformation since the 1960s. Sarah Chuck. To date, 79 people have been killed on smart motorways. Last January, the government said it would pause their rollout. The Prime Minister said smart motorways are unpopular because they are unsafe. We need to listen to drivers and stop with the pursuit of policies that go against common sense. Since then, three new schemes have gone live, with three more expected shortly. Prime Minister, especially during a cost of living crisis, how do you justify pushing ahead with these death trap roads? Prime Minister. Well, Mr. Speaker, safety on our roads is our absolute priority, and we will do everything we can to make sure drivers do feel safe. Uh, last year, we in fact paused the rollout of smart wet motorways not already in construction uh, while we consider the data and next steps. And in the meantime, we have committed almost £900 million for safety improvements across the entire network. Angela Richardson. Zero Carbon Guildford won national recognition here in Parliament, receiving the Climate Coalition's Innovative UK Community Project Award. They have taken what is often an overwhelming subject and turned it into local issues with tangible solutions to give people agency. Will my right honourable friend join me in congratulating all the volunteers, including Ben, Izzy and Mark, on their award? And does he agree that grassroots organisations like Zero Carbon Guildford are key stakeholders in our national journey to achieve net zero. Yeah. Prime Minister. I join my honourable friend in congratulating Zero Carbon Guildford for receiving the Climate Coalition's Innovative UK Community Project Award. She's absolutely right that community empowerment, engagement and action can play a role in supporting the UK's transition to net zero, enabling communities to access the benefits that it brings from greener jobs to improved health. Al Smith. Thank you, Mr. Yeah, Speaker. Yeah, yeah. Last week, I met with RCN nurses, and one of the biggest challenges that they face is the crumbling buildings of the Royal yeah. Lancaster Infirmary. Hospital bosses were <coughs> promised capital funding as part of one of these so called 40 new hospitals back in January, but it's March and they haven't seen a penny. So, how many broken hospitals and broken promises will it take for the Prime Minister to finally fix something? Yeah. 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 
Well, Mr. Speaker, we're investing record sums, uh, record sums in the hospital capital upgrade programme across the country. I'm very happy to make sure that we're making progress on the scheme that she mentioned and ensure that we get to the detail of that for not just the 40 hospitals but 90 upgrades around the country and up to 300 community diagnostic centres and electrical surgical hubs. This is a government that is backing the NHS with the resources it needs. Craig Tracy. Uh, Mr. Speaker, the tragic death of more than 50 people over the weekend when their small boat broke up off the coast of Italy is a sad reminder of the total disregard for life that the illegal traffickers who facilitate these crossings have in order to make their money. So can the Prime Minister set out what steps he's taken to bring an end to this barbaric trade and also to reassure my constituents that stopping illegal immigration remains a key priority for this government? Prime Minister. My, uh, my honourable friend is right that the tragic incident near Italy at the weekend demonstrates how too well illegal crossings put lives at risk. That's why last year the Home Secretary and I announced five new measures to tackle the problem of small boats crossings, including the largest ever boats deal with France and a landmark deal with Albania. But we must do more. And as soon as the legislation is ready, it will be brought to this House to ensure that if you arrive in this country illegally, you will not be able to stay. You will be swiftly detained and removed to your own country or a safe third country alternative. That is the right and responsible way to tackle this problem. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister and I have one thing in common. We've both had to step in and sort out legal and constitutional messes sorted out by his, created by his predecessor, but one, the Right Honourable Member for Uxbridge. Now, the Prime Minister has boasted that his new Brexit deal puts Northern Ireland in an unbelievably special position because it will have access to both the UK and the EU markets. And he said that this makes it the world's most exciting economic zone. So my question for the Prime Minister is this. If there can be a very, very special status for the province of Northern Ireland, why can't there be a very, very special status for the nation of Scotland? Well, Mr Speaker, there is a very special status for the nation of Scotland, and that's inside our United Kingdom. Wallader University Health Board was yet again put in special measures. The chairman and the whole board resigned en masse as they no longer have faith in the Welsh Labour government. Yet on a call earlier this week, the Welsh Health Minister told me that it wasn't Welsh Labour government's fault that healthcare has collapsed in North Wales. Now, given that Labour run the NHS in North Wales, can you suggest to the people of North Wales whose fault it is and who should put it right? Well, Mr Speaker, I share my honourable friend's concern, and the House will know that health is a devolved matter for the Labour-run government in Wales, uh, where one in five people, Mr Speaker, in the entire country of Wales are now on a waiting list. So the government there should focus on the people's priorities and start cutting waiting lists, as we are doing here in England. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, a recent survey I did in Edinburgh West showed that a heartbreaking 80% of those who responded said the high cost of energy meant they would have to ration it. <coughs> now, I do not represent a deprived area of the country. 
And almost a quarter of Scottish homes now live in fuel poverty, not helped, of course, by the total absence of an insulation programme by the Scottish Government. So will the Prime Minister now accept that to allow the price cap to rise will only make things worse for millions of families? And given the significant reduction in the costs of wholesale energy, will he accept that it's now time to listen to the Liberal Democrats and cut bills to April last year's levels? Mr Speaker, it's the, the, the Liberal Democrat Shadow uh, Energy Secretary who, who, who said that there was no role for nuclear power in our future history is not something that we need to listen to. But with, 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 regard, with regard to supporting people with energy bills, as I said earlier, because of the energy price guarantee, we're, we're paying typically around half of a family's energy bill at the moment. That's worth £1,000 at the moment. But the support doesn't end there, Mr Speaker. Over this next year, there will be around £1,000 of direct support to the most vulnerable families across the nation with their energy bills. And with regard to energy efficiency, I agree with her. It is important, which is why this government has allocated over £6 billion over this parliament. And the new schemes that we've just put in place will help hundreds of thousands of households across the country, saving them around £300 on their bills through improvements to their energy efficiency. And and you're right, it should be available everywhere, including in Scotland. Albert Costa. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As Chairman of the All-Party Group for Greece, can I put on record how sad we all are for the tragic train accident that's happened in Greece and for the tragic loss of life? Mr Speaker, double child rapist and killer Colin Pitchfork is once again up for parole next month. Now, I know the Prime Minister doesn't have any decision-making process in terms of the Independent Parole Board, but can he organise an urgent meeting with the Secretary of State for Justice so I can refer my constituents' views about this dangerous man and he can take that into account in his submissions to the Independent Parole Board? Well, Mr Speaker, Pitchfork's crimes were heinous, and our thoughts remain with Linda and Dawn's friends and family. My honourable friend knows that it is for the parole board to determine these decisions, but my honourable friend, the Deputy Prime Minister, will be submitting his views on the Pitchfork case to the parole board before the oral hearing. Is happy to meet with the honourable gentleman again, and we have also recently published a root and branch review of the parole board system, which outlined our plans to introduce greater ministerial oversight. And I look forward to having the contributions and thoughts on that from my honourable friend. Ruth Cabret. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yesterday, new figures showed that there's been a 26% increase in people sleeping rough. Meanwhile, a Conservative Party donor spent £25,000 on a crystal-encrusted portrait of the Prime Minister, and another paid £40,000 for a shooting trip. Doesn't this show just how out of touch the Conservative Party is on the cost of living crisis? Well, Mr Speaker, rough sleeping levels rough sleeping levels are actually 35% lower in this past year compared to the peak. We, that's partly as a result of the £2 billion of extra investment that we've made over these three years to tackle rough sleeping, and we continue to have one of the lowest rates of rough sleeping in the world uh, globally when last measured. But we'll continue to do more, Mr Sleeper. We don't want anyone to have to sleep rough, and because of the innovations that we have made, we're taking more and more people off the streets, and the government will keep delivering more. Jim Sunderland. 
Mr Speaker, last month the Pines Primary School in Bracknell achieved a good rating in its Ofsted inspection. Yeah, yeah. That in itself is laudable. What's significant is that the Pines is now the 40th of 40 eligible schools in Bracknell to be graded good or outstanding. Mr Speaker, this clean sweep is an outstanding achievement and I'm very proud of everyone locally. So would the Prime Minister please join with me in congratulating our fantastic teachers, staff, governors and pupils and also Councillor Gareth Barnard and the entire education team at Conservative-run Bracknell Forest Council. Well, Mr, Mr. Speaker, ed education is the closest thing we have to a silver bullet for transforming people's lives. So I'm delighted to join with my honourable friend in praising everyone involved, from the councillor to the teachers to the staff to the governors, for delivering such fantastic results. They are in the business of providing tremendous opportunity for the children under their care, and we all owe them an enormous debt of gratitude. Chris Elmore. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Citizens Advice estimate that the number of households unable to afford their energy bills will double from one in ten to one in five from April. Labour, Mr. Speaker, has a plan to help struggling families right across the country now. Why can't the Prime Minister see the need to take action on energy bills now, avoid the cliff edge, and they can shout all they like, Mr. Speaker, and stop plunging more people into poverty from April? Mr Speaker, we are helping people now. We are helping people with the energy price guarantee that is ensuring that there is a £1,000 saving on their energy bills right now. And, Mr Speaker, we are providing further support over the coming year for the most vulnerable with direct cost of living support worth up to £1,000, but also a record increase in pensions, record increase in benefits and a record increase in the national living wage, because that is what a Conservative government does. of ceramics businesses are SMEs, which has meant they have not received the level of support that many other energy-intensive sectors have. So will my right more friend look at what more support, particularly financial support, can be offered to help this sector to decarbonise and invest in energy efficiency measures? Well, I, uh, I know my honourable friend is a powerful advocate for his ceramics industry, and rightly so. It's been a pleasure to meet with him and his businesses in the past. He'll know that our energy bill discount scheme does support businesses with their energy bills through to March of next year. And there are a range of other funds we have to support energy-intensive industries, the scheme that he mentioned, but also the Industrial Energy Transformation Fund, which provides capital grants to businesses like his to help them decarbonise. And I look forward to discussing this with him and his businesses in the near future. Patrick Reddy. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It has been announced that on the 7th of May a coronation choir will perform at Windsor Castle, comprised of some of the UK's keenest community choirs and amateur singers, such as refugee choirs, NHS choirs, LGBTQ singing groups, and deaf signing choirs. If it turns out that any of the refugees taking part in that choir have arrived here on small boats or from a safe third country, should they be deported to Rwanda before or after they sing for the King? Mr. Speaker, I mean, it's, Mr. Speaker, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing when previously we have had a question about the awful tragedy of illegal migration that happened just recently that the honourable gentleman can't accept. Can't accept that it is, in fact, there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing compassionate about tolerating illegal migration when people are dying. That is why this government will bring forward legislation to improve the system here. It is absolutely right that if people come here illegally, they should be back sent to a safe alternative, because that is the only way we will break the cycle of these criminal gangs and stop people dying needlessly. Yeah.
Thank you, Mr Speaker. A school in my constituency was complaining that they cannot afford to turn the heating on. Yet this school and others are spending money on PSHE materials by organisations such as Stonewall and Jigsaw that are educating our boys and girls that they may not have been born in the right body or have an inner gender identity. Would the PM meet with me to see how we can stop this unscientific ideological education being taught in our schools and get our children learning what they should be learning in a warm, safe place? Oh, Mr Speaker, we have boosted school funding by around £2 billion in each of the next two years, uh, which will help schools manage their energy costs. Uh, but we do expect schools to take responsible and sensible decisions on their RHSE materials and making sure that those materials are age-appropriate, suitable, politically impartial and value for money. I look forward to discussing this with him in the future, and I will sure that he gets a meeting with the relevant minister. Final question, Rosie Duffield. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister may be aware of Sky News's investigation and report today on the over-the-counter sales of nitrous oxide or laughing gas to children and young teenagers. One alarming aspect is the change in the size of canisters from 8 grams to 620 grams, and ambulance call-outs related to overuse have tripled. Instead of criminalising the young people who buy nitrous oxide, isn't it time to take urgent action against those knowingly selling this harmful and potentially life-changing substance? to children underage. I thank the Honourable Lady for her question. I share her concern and the concern of members across the House about nitrous oxide's detrimental impact on communities, its contribution to antisocial behaviour, and indeed I mentioned it in the speech I made at the beginning of this year specifically. The Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs is conducting a review of nitrous oxide and is looking particularly at this question. The Home Secretary has asked them to expedite their review and we will consider their advice carefully when it is received. That completes Prime Minister's questions. No, they're urgent questions.